Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a successful business, I've met directly or indirectly many successful people from entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes someone successful? Do we even know what success is? And the all important question, can we create it for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Today, our guest is Lee Mears. Lee is a former England and British and Irish Lions rugby player. He's played over 40 times, 42 to be precise, for England and amassed over 170 appearances as a forward for Bath. Lee has taken those experiences now into executive coaching after being forced to retire from rugby due to a heart condition. Lee, as you'll find out, is an incredibly active, even now, coaching, after dinner speaking, flying planes, and a few more things that we're about to find out about. So a very warm welcome indeed to our guest today, Lee Mears. Uh, Thank you for having me. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, First question to you. um, Tell us if you don't mind about the, I mean, clearly you've achieved an enormous amount in a sport and, you know, to, to amass over 170 appearances for one club is, you know, is pretty amazing. Quite apart from avoiding injury and all the other things that go with that. Um, Tell us about Lee Mears, the person. What do we need to know about you that we might not know about you? Background, upbringing, how did it all come about? Well, if uh, if you ask some of my friends, they'll say that uh, I'm a four foot midget, that uh, if I wasn't so fat, I should have been a jockey and I ended up being a rugby player. So that's how <laughs> they'll describe me. Myself, um, you know, I'm a Devon boy um, from down in the south. Um, didn't realise that trousers existed until I was about 15 and I and I got out of, of Devon and um Came to Bristol, found the love of rugby really, opened my world um, and I uh, was offered a scholarship to go to a school in Bristol, uh, Colston's, big rugby mecca of a school. Mm-hmm. And that was it really. That was the start of uh, of my rugby career. <clears throat> um, it opened my eyes to the other, you know, the, the beauty of, you know, being allowed to uh, have the opportunity to go to a private school, open my world. And then from then on, travel um, as a schoolboy to tour in South Africa uh, in 1995, just after they won the World Cup, and I started to realise that not only is there a, a big country out there, there's a big world. Um, so that period in my life was quite important. And then um, sort of played for England under 18s, which we'll, we'll probably talk about in a in a bit. But um, went to Australia for six weeks, again fueling that um, that uh, opportunity. And then somebody said, oh, you can now get paid to play rugby. And at the time, as you'll see with the flying stuff, I wanted to go into the Air Force. And I was thinking that's the best way to sort of play as much sport as possible and travel. Um, and uh, and then the opportunity was to go and chase an egg round a, a pitch and get paid to do it. So I thought, well, I'll go and do that for a bit. And uh, <clears throat> 16 years later, one club man, uh, a few in the white, uh, in the white shirt. It's been an, uh, an entertaining trip. And of course, you know, your, your career, uh, with Bath, you've seen the great and the good, but you've also seen some fairly tough times at the club, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I first joined, um, I think there was five international hookers. Um, I, I was definitely at the bottom of the pecking order and, um, you had the likes of Jerry Guskett, Victor Abogu, uh, Ben Clark. So you had this, a massive, 
you know, talent. And then with the professional game, I think Bar sort of took a while to get used to it and pick it up. And so they, you know, we, we tried to run it, you know, as amateur for as long as possible, but a lot of teams caught us up and also the talent when you, you know, when you make a game professional, mm. you start to see a massive increase in talent. And I think Bath had a little dip um, and I always get a bit angry because those old boys always point out how many trophies they won. But I think one of the stats was we were in a final or a semi-final every year for about 12 out of those 16 years. Mm. But it is, it's a, it's an amazing club and it's steeped in history. So uh, mm. right through to, you know, the new owner, Bruce Craig, who's really, uh, you know, trying to set the, the world alight with what he's doing at Bath now. Mm. So how do you, um, in terms of, you, you talk about joining the club, you're right at the bottom of the pecking order to use your words. How, how difficult is it is to kind of climb up that, that ladder to maintain your discipline and your enthusiasm and your commitment to the sport when, you know, your perception might be, I'll get second team rugby if I'm lucky. Yeah, I think I suppose it's one of the things that I sort of a lesson I try and tell people that I you know, or talk to people about that I bump into or that I coach. Um, when I arrived at Bath, like I say, I looked and I realised that there's a you know, these guys are amazing. They've all played for England, Argentina, Wales, um, and I started to you know find very quickly that you are at the bottom of that food chain and you need to learn. And so rather than um, you know, I always believed in my own ability, <clears throat> but I've been told <clears throat> sorry, all along that I'd always be too small. Oh, you won't be big enough. You won't be big enough. So that's when you adapt. So I used to take the best bits of the others and look at, you know, Freddie Mendes was six foot five and, you know, an absolute beast and could play prop. There's no way I was going to be as big, as strong as him, but skillful wise. So then I started to think, well, what about being more skillful in my position? Then I'd look at Mark Regan and, you know, I always give him stick um, for not being the brightest, but he's the most relentless um, competitor. So then I started to think, well, that's something else that I need to, you know, evolve. And other uh, Andy Long was really fit, had good footwork, and you start to sort of add all the the little bits of uh, of, of what you think they're really good at, and then what you know, how does it work with you? Um, and I suppose I just became an, uh, you know, an artist at avoiding contact and, uh, and they called me skillful. I don't know where that came from. But I will have to say, with respect, <laughs> you, know, you described yourself as a four foot midget. I'm not sure that's necessarily true. But yes, you, I mean, physically, you're not imposing, if you don't mind me saying no, that. No. So <clears throat> how intimidating was it in the middle of a scrum? Because <laughs> I, I, I can only imagine what that must be like. Yeah, I mean, you you learn to make friends with the the big units either side of you, and uh, and you tell them you're going to look after them. And I think I used to make a few cups of tea and take them some biscuits, so I was their favourite. Right. Well, I have to say, so um, daily routines. You know, you've achieved an awful lot. Did your did your upbringing have anything to do with that? Was it a question of you know you're a self made guy in the sense that um, you you took some of those component parts, bolted them all together? But how how do you how do you find success? And how do you sustain success? I mean, that's two questions in one, really. But yeah, very interesting. I mean, my dad, I, you always sort of say that your, your family had a, a big impact on you. My, my father was a, a, a lorry driver, coach driver, had an unbelievable work ethic. Um, so I think that's something that he massively passed on to me. But I, I also think when you find something that you love it's easy to to dedicate yourself to it and i found rugby and i and i you know even now today you re, i realized that it was amazing i absolutely passionately loved it but it was also a platform because you could do so many things on the back of it so applying hard work 
of to do something that you absolutely loved um, makes it a lot a lot easier. And that's one of the things I encourage mm-hmm. is that you you know, you've got to be passionate about what you do, and you know when you found it because getting up every day. You know, I hear a lot about work life balance and all of this kind of stuff, but if you love it you'll do it as much as you can anyway. And I, and I think back to those, those years where, you know, I would train as much as I could. I would play as much as I could. You know, even now I find it difficult to turn my son down when he says, go on, dad, come out and, you know, kick the rugby ball about with me. I try cricket, but he beats me at that already. So, uh, <laughs> but that rugby, that passion that some, if once you, you know, again, to sort of go over it, but once you love it, it's, mm. you've, you just do everything you can. So you're loving it. You're doing well at it. Um, you know, a huge number of appearances for one club, a lot to be said for that. And then all of a sudden you kind of get derailed because you're diagnosed with a medical condition, yeah, which effectively ends your career. Tell us a little bit about what happened and how you dealt with it. So, I mean, again, it's, um, quite an interesting time. I was coming to the end of my career. I was thinking about what next, um, you know, I'd always had this passion around flying. So I started to to do my pilot's license. And, uh, and I thought one of the, you know, my life's drivers, like I said before, was this travel and being a pilot, you still get to travel. Um, you know, it's quite a cool job. And, and, and so that, I thought that's something that will help me, you know, to pursue another career and be as good as I can be. And during that period and at the rugby club, I was tested, we had our usual, um, uh, MRI heart scan, and the, the lady looked at me and sort of said, oh, well, you need to, we might have to send you away for another one. There's an unusual, you've got an unusual rhythm. And I sort of smiled and said, yeah, I'm sure I have, you know, I get tested all the time. And she said, no, you're going to have to. So I went to London, um, got uh, met Sanjay Sharma, who's a big, um, one of the best sort of heart cardio uh, cardiologists uh, in the country. And he said, um, I've developed athlete's heart. And I said, I'm not an athlete. You got me wrong. And uh, but he pointed out that I've got an inverted T wave and it can affect the the rhythms of the heart and it puts you at risk of a heart attack. And being a stubborn sportsman, I said, well, it's, I've been fine this long. So, you know, surely I just keep going. And he quite rightly pointed out that that's fine. But you you can be the one that or you won't be the one that's got to tell your kids if something drastic happens and being a dad of three boys it does dawn on you that that selfish athlete in you has other responsibilities as you get older so Mm. it was a case of it's been amazing I've loved it and you know what's next and during that time just to sort of carry on is that's where I discovered coaching so um had a couple of guys that had amazing impact again the thing with sport is that you meet some really interesting people. And I met a guy called David Scotland, um, who helped coach me through my transition, um, of, of what next. And, uh, and that's how I was introduced to executive coaching. Well, that was my next question, actually. So yeah, the, the transition from sport to, uh, to coaching, you know, what's fascinating about that in itself is, uh, the desire to give something back, you know? So do you think giving back is, is important? Does that impact on any other aspect of your life? Oh, massively. I mean, everything, I think that's where you get the gratification, the gratitude. Um, I was taught, you know, you get just as much from giving back. And I think one of the the things that David did was actually reach out to some people and ask what effect, you know, has had, as Lee had you, you know, on you in your career. And I think this goes back to the grounding from Bath, but you, 
you know, and you read it in different books now, but you always knew at Bath because you were surrounded by so many amazing people and they sort of went in, yeah, they retired and they moved on. But there was the, you don't want to say tribal mentality, but you knew you were Mm. part of something better. And so I learned very quickly having it sort of, they call it, say, molding, I call it bullying with the older boys, (laughs) but they they basically made you realise that it wasn't your shirt forever and you've got to do as good a job while you're there, but you've also got to pass it on because if if stuff doesn't get looked after it dies and fades away so that was a conscious thing for me was always who's the next you know young hooker coming through um who else can you help in the team which bath boys local boys do you really want to sort of look after and so that went into you know to rugby and and then now I find you do you find a lot out of helping people and and one of the questions I always ask and get was asked was you know, if someone knocks on your door in 10 years time, what do you want them to say about you and, and say thank you for the impact you had on them? So getting me a bit deep, but that's what... No, uh, no, not at all. So um, just want to pick up on three words that you've just come up with, pass it on. Yeah. Now you're you're an executive coach in the, in the corporate world, but you're also a father of three boys. Yeah. What are you trying to teach your boys, um, given all of the challenges that we face in the world today? That, are there any things that you've learned in your life, either as a sportsman or as a man, that you're now trying to teach your boys? Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, uh, the, the biggest lesson that I try and learn, and you're quite um, having my son sort of getting into cricket at the moment, is I thought rugby was about the failures. Cricket is even more about failure. And so it's it's your growth mindset. So how do you bounce back? You don't see it as failure. You just move on or you learn from it. And as long as you learn you're always going to get better. And the more I look into it, um, the more I sort of work with athletes now, I've finished and business guys, is the people that have had what's deemed a bad thing, a failure, are the ones that grow the best. So mm. it's you know, it's getting you know kids and other adults into growth mindset. It's not failure. It's just a lesson that you've got to learn from. Mm. Um, and I think if you can have that mentality, you can only, you know, you can only get better. So that would be my one big thing is right. looking to... Carol Dweck wrote an amazing book about growth mindset for kids and and for for lots of athletes now it's becoming more and more important. In in sportly they talk a lot about um sports people living in a bubble. You know everything's done for them these days. Um do you do you really appreciate did you appreciate the success you were achieving in sport in rugby in particular when you were playing or do you reflect differently on that now that you've effectively retired from the sport? Yeah, I suppose when you're in it, you just see it as a challenge and the next challenge and what's the next challenge. So all I ever wanted to do was, yeah, was to play professional, well, play for Bath, really. Mm. Or, um, and then, you know, you're playing for Bath and then one day someone says, Yo, you're trying to get in the team. Yeah, it took me about four years to do that. And then you get into the team and then all of a sudden it's like, well, if you keep playing well, you know, you might get picked for England. And you think, crikey, representing your country. And then you find yourself in a squad and, you know, if you train well and if you, you know, and if you're accepted, then you may, you know, you may get a, get on the bench or you may even get to start. And then there's a World Cup. And then so you prepare for a World Cup and then there's this thing called the lot. And so I think when you're in it, you know, you don't have that time to look back. It's always what's next, what's next. And I think that's where, you know, athletes can sort of, you know, it can be such a big shock for them when they finish, because if you haven't stopped and gone oh my God, this is amazing. Like Mm. I am in South Africa at altitude with the sun on my back. It's a, you know, it's a big shock when you finish because you can't get it back. And what about highlights for your career? I mean, mean, I'm sure there's loads of stories you could tell and we probably don't have enough time to (laughs) explore all those today, but 
Highlights of a, of a Lee Mears career? Oh, crikey, loads. I think that first test in Durban um, in South Africa. Durban for me is one of the best grounds to play at. Um, it's hostile. It's super steep. So you feel like the crowd are on top of you. Um, and, you know, because they've been a competitive, angry little midget, I think being able to say you're not just one of the best in your area, your country, your, you know, bit, yeah, and a start for the British Lions was pretty pretty impressive I think yeah and I remember just mum and dad and all that kind of stuff so that was quite a, a proud moment uh, but running out on the wreck on a Friday night because you get to do it and that as I was saying to you then about appreciating it and reliving it I think with the Lions obviously you've got nerves and apprehension whereas the wreck it's every you know two mm. or three months and running out of the wreck on a Friday night under lights is pretty special. Yeah, good atmosphere there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So, um, let me let me ask you another question, but we'll use an analogy, if we may. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Lee Mears, who keeps describing himself as a midget, but you, you, really, you really aren't, but clearly smaller than a lot of the guys on a rugby yes. field. Um, so here you are. There's a guy running at you who's probably 23 stone, and he's six foot four, and you're probably you're probably giving him two and a half feet, right? Yeah. And you are what 12 stone, dripping wet, probably. Now, yeah, I'll take that. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> How do you deal with somebody that is twice the size, probably twice the speed, respectfully, um, who's running at you with a rugby ball? You know, you can't get out of the way because that's the end of your career, probably. Yeah. How do you mentally, how do you deal with that challenge? And I'm asking you the question because in analogy terms, a lot of people are confronted with that same challenge in business as well, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, crikey. I think, um, honestly, I think, I'm um, I'm about to use a dog analogy now, but have you ever? I uh, used to have a friend who had a um, an Alsatian and a Dash Hound, and the Dachshunds used to basically order the uh, Alsatian round because the Dachshund had no idea that it was any different. It thought it was, you know, it thought it was what it saw, and mm. that's what I think for me. I never people said I was small, but I never felt like I was. So it was just a case of. Um, you know, I'll try and bash you as hard as you're going to bash me. And it, it seemed to, you know, it seemed to stand me in good stead. I was going to say, if you've got a big fella <clears> running <throat> at you and the, the look in your eye says, I'm going to, I'm going to take you down. I suppose he's probably more afraid of <laughs> yeah. you than you are of him. So that's an interesting answer, actually. So uh, this is a kind of a, a more wide reaching question, Lee, but yeah. what would you say is your, the definition of success? If there is such a thing as Wikipedia have recently redefined it. And I'm, I'm not sure we, we really know what it is, but what would it be in your world? Is it about, um, you know, a positive outcome? Is it about something a bit more ethereal than that? I mean, yeah, I suppose um, for me, I, I think it's the impact you have on others, I think is um, is what I would always say. So are you a positive impact on others? You know, are people happy to be in and around your company? Are, are you someone that people seek um, when they need, you know, need someone to, to chat to rely on, or, you know, if you do have to, at my age now, nearly 40, if you do have to go on a rugby pitch, it's someone you want to take with you. And I think that probably comes from those rugby days mm. where you'd have all these super, super skillful people. But at the end of the day, you'd, uh, you'd always play with the guys that you knew would love a, a bit of a scrap. All these people who talk about being 40 at my age. Yes. I mean, 40 is the new 20, surely. So That's what I'm hoping. you've got a life ahead of you. So on the life ahead of you uh, side of things, Lee, you don't strike me as the kind of guy who would be content with your lot in life. You've, you've clearly, you're clearly very busy. You're a, uh, a father of three boys. So you've got obligations and responsibilities there. But what other things do you aspire to try and achieve? Are there, are there things you kind of set your sights on, on doing? Yeah, I think... Um 
firstly, uh, obviously, this is going to get me shot if this goes out and my wife hears, uh, hears it all. But I'm, uh, I'm planning to do, uh, I did the North Pole with um, Wooden Spoon um, in 2015, I think it was. And uh, in 2019, there's a, a trip to break another world record, uh, Everest, playing rugby at Everest. So I'm planning on um, being involved in that. Um, my wife lets me every now and again sort of pit my, you know, the body against the world and a bit of an adventure. So I love adventures. So I still get a bit of that to get the adrenaline running. Um, but now for me, it's about helping others to be the best that they can be. So if that's in a corporate world or in the sports world, um, I do a, bit, a fair bit in football at the moment, as well as the business world and a bit in the rugby world. So that giving back, and uh, and trying to you know affect as many people as possible. And clearly, your relationship with Mrs. Mears yes. um, is very important. So massively, how how important is the support of a partner um, in a sportsman, a businessman's life in terms of your aspirations? Oh, huge! I mean, I met my wife at school at Colston's actually. So uh, you know, I've got a lot to thank that school for. And uh, and you probably saw in my face smile when I, th- mm. I thought back at those memories. But she's been with me all the way through. Um, she's a physio, um, <laughs> probably just as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, or a physical terrorist if she gets near me, I call her. But right. no, she's uh, she's been a rock. And I think it's massively important that you need someone there as a sounding board. Um, also to sort of, you know, keep your feet nailed to the ground if you ever mm. thought you were getting too big for your boots. But it's just, yeah, it's so much easier, isn't it, when you've got a, mm. a trusted confidant. So, yeah, I've got to thank her. So um, I know you, the private pilot's license, helicopters. Yes, um, I've got a good friend. Everest. <laughs> sound to me as if you are somewhat unhinged. I, don't, I mean, <laughs> all credit to you. I, I tried it a few times and I have to say it wasn't for me, but you clearly love the adrenaline and, the excitement and the challenge. Challenge, I think, is probably the right word, right? Because you you do like to set the bar ever higher. Yeah, that be fair. Yeah, oh, definitely. I think, and yeah, I, it goes back to that whole: Are you improving? And I think if you stand still, you're probably, mm. you know, dying. So I just want to constantly get better if if I can. And that gives you a degree of satisfaction, both personally and professionally, in helping others. Is to because you mentioned earlier about, you know, receiving an email or or some testimonial after 12 months, you've helped me transform my life. So that clearly is a very important part of your life is helping others to achieve their best. Yeah, well, massively, you know, again, if, you, if you're, that's the beauty of rugby is you could be the best player in the world, but if you haven't got other guys around you, it wouldn't work. And I was involved in a few of those teams as well. Mm. And you start to realise that the more you can get others, not only, you know, a bit like having the, my, you know, my wife as my partner, if you can have that camaraderie, mm you know, in and around work where people, you're the go-to guy or mm. people just want to be with you, then that's what creates a great team. Well, big man, small body. Yes. Um, clearly fearless on the rugby field. So I have to ask you, are you actually afraid of anything? Oh God, yeah, I'll definitely. I, uh, I'm, yeah, I was built this low to the ground for a reason. So I'm not <laughs> a massive fan of heights. Um, so I remember um, doing a, a, a skydive and thinking, this is awesome. And then I got to the bit where you could actually see the floor so that that period where you go, if I, you know, if, if it fails now, I'm actually still going to be alive at the end of it. Yeah, I'm not a massive fan yeah. of heights. And about two foot shorter than yes. uh, the right <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So yeah, heights are, are not, you can't get me up a ladder. All right. So one question, Lee, we always ask every guest, it's the only common question. So I'm really fascinated to hear this from you, yeah. is if you were having a conversation with a younger version of Lee Mears, with all your experiences, as diversified as they are, 
knowing all the things you know now with those 40 years of experience, what piece of advice, and you're going to be having this conversation, I'm sure, with one or more of your sons in due course, what piece of advice would you give them knowing all the things that you know now? Oof. I would, if I was to tell myself something, I would, I would say, again, believe, you know, believe in what you, uh, believe in what feels right. Um, go as hard as you can f for it. Um, but always, um, yeah, always get as much as you can, um, get the people around you to, to grow with you. I think is key. I, what I've heard today, and, and thank you so much for sharing so openly. Um, I found it, I found it really, really fascinating. Um, for many, many different reasons. But why I hear loud and clear from you, Lee, is surrounding yourself with lots of good people, whether it's your wife, your family, um, whether it's teammates. Uh, also, to, what, what I found really fascinating today, one of the things you've said is taking kind of component parts of other people that you may see on the face of it as being slightly more talented and kind of bolting them all together yeah. and becoming a better version of yourself, which um, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say before so that was that was really interesting and the other thing I liked very much and I'm sure those tuning in will, will feel the same is that you are clearly somebody who gives more than you receive and that's clearly shaped what you've achieved both as an individual and as a sports person so um, loads of really really good messages which, which I know loads of people will appreciate so uh, certainly Bath fans and I'm one of them um, Bath fans will know a lot about you but other people won't necessarily. So because of the things you're now doing outside of sport, executive coaching, speaking, do a lot of that. How do people find out a little bit more about you, what you're up to? How can they stay in touch? Yes, um, I've obviously got my website, uh, leemears.co.uk, um, Twitter, mearsio 2 um, the usual social media things that I'm trying to keep a grip on. And then uh, obviously company-wise, the Preston Associates um, in london or all over great well um this could go on for a very long time but we have to draw to a close i want to thank you very much indeed for such a candid forthright and um such an open honest conversation today because that's what it was after all um so lee Mears, thank you very much indeed and hope we'll see you again in the future oh, thanks for having me on Our guest today on the sandro forte podcast was lee Mears. what a terrific guy he was Thanks so much for joining us, Lee. Don't forget, lots more interviews to come over the coming weeks. So follow us on social media, Sandro's podcast, same on all channels. Remember to share your stories, thoughts, experiences, and email me if you can, hello at sandrospodcast.com. Finally, please remember, leave a review on the podcast on iTunes and tell us what you'd like more of in the future. See you soon.